Hi, it's John Glover, and you are listening to Starkville House of L. Welcome to a long overdue episode of Starkville's House of L. It is 4 o'clock in the morning because this is the only time I can find to record in this busy weekend. I'm your host, Derek Russell. Today is kind of a bittersweet episode of sorts. For one, I've never had to do multiple reviews of current episodes in the season, but due to time constraints while Houston and I were in Maryland last weekend, we weren't able to record an episode for last week's Fierce. To further complicate matters, Houston has had an emergency in his hometown that's taken him away from Starkville and left me doing the episode alone this week. I'm going to keep Houston in our thoughts, but ultimately that means that I have to give you my thoughts on Fierce and this week's Cure Solo. But, through the magic of the internet, Tim is actually going to step in and give you his review of Fierce for last week, with myself giving you the rundown on the happenings in Cure. I'd like to thank all of you for your emails and messages regarding Chew and what was the status of the show. It really shows me that all the hard work that myself and Houston and Tim put in is not all in vain from week to week. And we hope to continue to entertain and enlighten you, and we're sorry for it. If we uh, disappointed any of you not to find Shoe posted last weekend, as I said, we had hoped to do the show Thursday night live from Maryland, but our flight was so late that we were just unable to oblige. But apologies aside, I hope Tim and I can deliver the caliber episode today that Fierce and Cure brought us in the past two weeks, or at least the caliber of the latter episode. With the pleasantries out of the way, though, let's get to some shoe news. First up is, of course, the recap of our rendezvous with John Glover, a.k.a. Lionel Luther, this past weekend in Salisbury, Maryland. We had an amazing time staying with Heather and Shane from RedCapeMusic.org. They were so nice to open up their home to us. And we got in late Thursday night. We watched Fierce. And we kind of spent the rest of the time just enjoying the sights around town leading up to Saturday when we did the memory walk for Alzheimer's with John. It was an honor to meet such a fine actor. And John talked to Houston, Shane, Heather, and I for 30, 40 minutes for a while. And actually doing a press for a film called The Civilization of Maxwell Bright that stars Mr. Glover. And that red carpet premiere of that movie was Thursday night in L.A. And Graham from the Tenth Wonder just went to kind of film the thing on the red carpet. But I'd already made the commitment to go to Maryland, so that's that's you know what I did. All of you know that by now. John spoke to us a little bit about his time on Smallville and how incredible the fans are, uh, even over the past seven years. And there's a good chance John will be sitting down to talk to Shu very soon. So keep your iPods tuned to Shu for that. I want me to thank each and every one of you who donated money to the cause. We raised over $55,000 with your support and had an amazing time in the process. We uh, we hope to return next year and, and get even more. It was really just a fun time. The walk was fun. I think it was like two miles. It really took it out of me in Houston. But um, that's really all that's going on with Shoe right now. In addition to that, though, there will be a new Shoe 2 coming very soon. I know many of you are anxious to find out about that, so... Hope to get that together for you in the coming weeks. But let's get to a little bit of Smallville headlines. Our first one is that Alison Mack has posted part one of a video interview questionnaire on her website, thanks to our friend Tabby, who runs AllisonMack.com. As I said, part one is now available, where people were able to email in and ask Allison questions, which she answered in the video. 
Part 2 should be up sometime this weekend, first of this week, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, there's always great stuff going on over at AllisonMag.com. We appreciate Taddy keeping us posted on that. So, as always, go over to Allison's official website and see what's happening with her. Our next headline comes from, actually, an article I read in USA Today last week about Smallville being among the top programs that DVRs are set to record. Now, that's great, and that means that people are watching the show, and unfortunately means that most people are watching other programs in the 8 p.m. time slot on Thursday nights. But there's hope for Smallville yet. Ratings have stayed pretty consistent this season. The premiere of Bizarro was really high, kept up with the momentum from last season, and Kara, Fierce, and seems like Cure have all stayed pretty high too, so that's great. If it keeps up, we might see an announcement about Season 8 around the 1st of December, possibly. Um, but right below that article in USA Today, there was also an article about scientists doing research on moles for studies based on the fact that moles are impervious to any form of cancer. You see, kids, moles are our friends. And last but not least, there's been a slew of imagery uh, in the last week for upcoming episodes for Smallville. The CW has sent us images for action, Laura, and Wrath, all in a very short span of time. And you can find all these images on our website, houseofelpodcast.com. There's some great pictures of Helen Slater as Clark's Kryptonian mother, Laura. A special red gift Clark will be rewarded with next week. And Super Lana in Wrath. So head on over to the site if you want some mild visual spoilery. And that's it for Shoe and Smallville News, respectively. Now, Tim's going to lead us through his review of last week's episode 703, Fierce. Tim, are you there? Yes, I am, Derek. I will be reviewing Fierce this week. For those of you who have read my review of Fierce on the website and know how I... How I've kind of felt about this episode. Don't, no doubt it was not the best episode of the season, right after Bizarro and Kara, but it was not the worst either. It really was, it was good because from the official descriptions, you always, you read official descriptions and you are wary about an episode. And this is one of those episodes for me. This reminded me very, very much of Wither. In that, in that episode, we were told that one thing was going to happen and it actually turned out being something completely different. And this is the way this was for me. And even though I was not particularly favored of the Weather Girls plot, I still enjoyed the episode quite a bit. And it still did not deter me from the enjoyment of the episode. But I will explain that as I continue in the recap of Fierce. This episode begins with Clark and Kara. I think it was the Smallville Harvest Festival. And they are, you know, gathering corn together because obviously the corn is, you know, very important for the Smallville Harvest Festival. Not that, but that um, that they can still still do donate you know crops to these kind of things because that's something we haven't seen since you know season one because we know that the Kents donated all these flowers and all these things to various har- harvest festivals and various places throughout Smallville, and it was nice to see kind of that theme again. And Kara says that they need to find the the crystal to her ship. But Clark says we don't know where it is, and I'm trying to look for it. And but she says you you should fly, and all this good stuff until she sees Jimmy, and she says I want to learn to blend in because Clark's saying that she needs to blend in. It's like I want to blend in with that guy, and her heat vision starts to flare up and would have almost destroyed the crops that were at this harvest festival if had not Clark intervened. Very hilarious scene right there. But then that that somewhat somewhat tender moment. I don't know if that's the right choice of words for that. It's interrupted by the arrival of these girls, these three models, who look like they just stepped out of America's Next Top Model, which, ironically, they did. And they're, like, gracing everyone, and it was it was just kind of 
Okay, whatever. And then someone hands Kara a pamphlet saying, you should be the next Miss Sweetcorn. So Kara decides to enter into this festival, and then we go into the main theme of Smallville, and then we transition to a different scene. A scene where Clark is, once again, fixing the tractor. What is it with that tractor? I was watching this this episode with a, with a friend in it, and um, he noted that Clark is always fixing that tractor, yet it never moves. <laughs> Which is uh, obviously kind of true. But, but then, as he's fixing the tractor, Lana comes in. And this was a very, very nice scene. I really enjoyed the scene with these two. Because there, nothing was said. And which made the scene all the more enjoyable because nothing really needed to be said. I mean, these were two, two lovers uh, essentially, who had not seen each other for I don't know how long it's been since Phantom and, and Fierce, but I guess it's I guess it's I guess we could say it's been a few months because obviously it's fall time and it was about May, so obviously it's been a few months since Lana was declared dead or were, was told by Lionel that she was dead. But you can just you can just see the kind of I don't know the intensity of the scene where you know Lana places her hand in Clark's face and it was, you can just feel the intensity of that. Then we cut to a scene where one of our quote quote weather girls, although we don't know them as that yet, is walking around talking to someone on the phone where we can assume it's her boyfriend saying that they're she's gonna take the money and then a week from now they'll both be in Cabo then. She's frozen to death or something, which was very interesting, to say the least. Then we cut back to um, the Clark and Lana situation, and their situation is very interesting. And she says, it's really me, Clark. And Clark is just in awe because she thought he thought Lana was dead. And he's like, you were dead. I mean, what happened to you? And he says, sorry, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you what happened. But I committed a huge crime, and I wasn't supposed to come back to Smallville. And Clark offers Lana to stay at the farm. He warns her that his situation at home has become a little more complicated. And that's when Kara walks out in a bikini. And she announces that she's going to be trying out for the Miss Sweetcorn pageant. And Clark saying that this is not a good idea, because she's supposed to be undercover, and this is less cover than what he would like. So then he makes her change her clothes, which she does at super speed, and to which Lana surmises which side of the family she is a part of. Then Lana leaves the room, and Clark and Kara kind of have a heart-to-heart talk. Clark says, you know, entering a beauty pageant isn't exactly fitting in, it's standing out. To which she retorts, like being captain of the football team. She says, well, he was living the the all-American dream, which this is very interesting. She was wasting in a cryogenic tomb, wasting out the better years of her life. Now, I'm not too familiar with the rules of suspended animation, because I haven't been in suspended animation myself, but I don't think that you age while you're in suspended animation. You pretty much stay the same you were when you left. So, I don't know. But anyway, but she she wants to do this, and Clark knows, like, if you're anything like me, you're not going to listen to anything I have to say. But I do have to say a few things. She takes her to the barn and does a new heat vision training which is very very unlike what he was using in the episode Heat, episode 202 of season 2 of Small. And she has her kind of carve a caricature into the back of a watermelon, which she does perfectly. Then when she tries, she blows up the, the watermelon all over Clark, and Clark totally 
totally loses it. Says a million things could go wrong on that stage, which you know his kind of speech with Kara in regards to her powers is not unlike the speech that Jonathan, I should say, gives Clark in early seasons, saying that she could get hurt, that a million things could go wrong on that field, son. And it just reminded me very much of Jonathan Kent. And it's very interesting to see Clark be like Jonathan. And we definitely saw a bit of that when Jonathan was around, but now, and we haven't as much seen that kind of attitude. We've seen bits and pieces of it, you know, here, there, here, a little, there, a little. But it was kind of nice to see him being exactly like his father, being the way his father would be in this whole power situation. It was very interesting. Then Kara storms out of the barn in a tissy fit, and um, she goes to do her makeup at the beauty pageant place, where the one of the girls says that we got rid of Carly, we have to talk, and, and we had to get rid of her, she was going to betray us, blah, blah, blah. And Kara goes over to these two girls saying, could you help me with my lipstick? And these two girls are just total witches to her. And total wenches, I should say. And say, you need more done than just your than just your lips. So then Kara leaves and she goes outside, kind of kind of saddened, because she I guess she might have looked up to these girls, I don't know. But and then she walks out and sees the frozen girl inside the flower shop that w- that was happened earlier in the episode which causes her to raise an eyebrow and we cut to commercial and then we cut back to from commercial where we see Lex kind of still admiring his wedding ring i think it's his wedding ring but but he's looking at it to which the agent from Kara walks in and we learn his name agent carter and Lex immediately immediately recognizes her and not recognizes her recognizes him for who, that he's Agent Carter from the Department of Domestic Security, and that he knows that he's been lo- that they've been looking into the ship, and to which um, to which Agent Carter notes that that he knows that he's been looking for a girl in the picture, and he holds up the picture and he says, "I'm very interested in this." And he says, "Why? Because you are." And they're and in Carter and Lex's scenes together, they have two scenes together in this whole episode. I don't know. I'm I'm just getting this feeling that this agent is actually Brainiac in disguise. We know that Brainiac can can shapeshift. He's transformed into various people. He's transformed into Jonathan Kent. He's transformed. I don't know if he's transformed to anybody else, but he he has split himself off on occasion, and we know he can do this now. James Marsters is famous for playing Brainiac. And to me, this is what Brainiac, Brainiac looked like, this guy. I mean, the only difference is, was is he was he- his heavy set and his eyes. That was basically the only difference. The, the way he delivered his lines, the way he was the way he was talking to Lex, the rapport that they had seemed just reminded me of season five. And you know, Brainiac becoming a, a federal agent isn't as too far a stretch as that's what Lex thought Brainiac was, was just a federal agent of of a covert branch of the State Department of something. I don't but the, these scenes were, were very, very good, and this scene was no different. And he was very interested in what Carter had to say about the ship, and it just, it was just seemed like a Brainiac-Lex scene from Season 5. So that was kind of cool for me. And then we cut to the Jimmy-Chloe reunion, which was kind of nice, because we haven't seen Jimmy for about four episodes. 
And and also while they're reuniting, Grant Gabriel, the new editor, is on the phone with Lois, who's currently in New York running a story. And to which and Jimmy shows Chloe uh, before Grant comes up the picture of the frozen girl because he had taken a picture of it earlier in the day, right after Kara saw it. Forgot to mention that. And Grant sees it and wants Jimmy and Chloe to look after it. They go to look into this meteor freakish incident. Then we cut to the Kent barn. And this was an, another very interesting scene. And I have to say that all the Clark... Uh, I'm saying this a little prematurely, but all the Clark and Lana scenes in this episode were very, very interesting because there was just a different feel. I mean, usually when there's Clark and Lana scenes, they're, they're, kind, of, they're kind of the same. They're kind of like... You know, Clark, I love you, Lana, I love you, Clark, or whatever, you're keeping secrets from me, blah, blah, blah. But th- this was very intriguing, because Clark was kind of venting about his frustrations with Kara. And he's venting that, you know, Kara doesn't know what it's like to grow up, I mean, I had to be careful my whole life, and Lana just kind of gives him some friendly girlfriend-like advice. I mean, Klana is very interesting this season. When I heard initially that Klana was going to be coming back, I I was a little bit skeptical because I thought we had gotten rid of Klana in the middle of season five. But apparently, it's not the end of it. And apparently, that they these two can have a relationship as long as they don't have secrets. So, and it was a very very great scene between the two of them, and it really was wonderful. And Clark being able to admit this to his secret to someone and that he was wrong for five and a half years, for six years, about keeping a secret from Lana, saying that she wouldn't understand, she wouldn't accept for who he is. And he was wrong about those doubts and feelings. So it was a very, very great scene between the two of them. And I'm excited for more Clark and Lana scenes like this one, where we can you know see them you know being honest with each other. But, you know, this is Smallville, so we probably won't see too much of that. But it was very nice, nonetheless. And then we cut to the Miss Squeakcorn rehearsals, where everyone's kind of rehearsing their little thing, and and Jimmy's taking photos, and kind of kind of catches Kara's eye a little bit. Kara kind of does a coy little wave, and Jimmy kind of goes, sup? <laughs> Being very, very cool, which is very un-Jimmy, if you ask me. Then Jimmy goes into the back, but not before taking pictures of what the conversation between the... I don't remember their, all their names. I think I think this one's name... I think the uh, the brunette girl's name was Tempest, and I think the black girl's name was Tyler. So Tyler and Tempest, TNT. But yeah, Jimmy takes snaps some photos, goes into his car, and... Um, and his car is gets set a cold by by Tyler in in this incident, and Jimmy's about to die before Kara rips the door right off of the of Jimmy's car, which is a very nice Volvo car, by the way. It seems like Smallville cars and Supernatural cars seem to do that. So Kara rips the door of the car, but not before she is seen by Tyler, one of our weather girls. And then, and then we get to the Lex and Lana scene of the episode. And, you know, since Clark and Lana will be together, we probably won't have as many Clark and... Not Clark and Lex. Lex and Lana scenes 
as we will Clark and Lana scenes. So this Lex and Lana scene was very good. It is revealed that that um Lana stole a hundred million dollars, embezzled one hundred million dollars from Lex, to which Lex applauds Lana for. And but Lana, but Lex tells her that he doubts that Clark will understand his appreciation of her brilliance for doing this. And Lana basically pushes Lex out the door and and Lex says, I hear Clark has a cousin visiting. And Lana says, yes, from Minnesota. She says, I'm looking forward to meeting her. So it's here that I, we kind of suspect that Lex suspects that Kara Kent, Clark's cousin, is actually the quote-unquote angel that saved him from going under in Bizarro. So Clark and Chloe head to the hospital where Jimmy is, which is a, I think, I guess kind of a first. Jimmy in a, in a hospital bed. I think the only one who hasn't been in a hospital that no Clark was. So Jimmy is the is is now the newest member of the Smallville cast to be in a hospital bed. So that was very very interesting, I guess. But Clark Clark asks Chloe when he ripped the door off when she ripped the door. No, Clark asks Kara when she ripped the door off. Did he see see it? Did anyone see her? And she totally flips out. And I thought she'd be proud of her. And and then Chloe actually says, I think I'm going to have to take her side on this one, and shows Clark a bunch of photos about our weather girls who is responsible for Jimmy's comatose state. And that they've been... That one of them turned on him, and that was the one that Jimmy found. And and they've actually were caught in the meteor shower in an unfortunate accident. And they had been they've been teaming up, winning pageants of all shapes and sizes, you know, together. Oktoberfest, wrestling matches, fight clubs, all these kind of things. The Oktoberfest was actually kind of funny to me. And but they're interested in the the time capsule box, which is believed to hold thousands of dollars in gold bars. So then, you know, Kara is kind of upset and she's in her little dressing room where Tyler and Tempest come up to her and say, We we want to help you. We want to be your friend. We know you're very special. You know, like we we want you to help us take this time capsule, to which Kara sees a picture of the time capsule and sees that it has a Kryptonian crest, which doesn't look like anything we've ever seen. Now, when I when I saw this, this was very interesting to me. It was a very Wither-esque like move, you know, pulling a Kryptonian aspect to what could potentially be a freak of the week. But th- but then we then we cut to commercial. And then we have the actual pageant. And there was actually a scene that was supposed to be in this pageant sequence, which had Kara in a kind of, if you're familiar with the comics, a Zatanna-like outfit, doing a magic trick with her powers, with Clark helping her out. But this scene was cut, and it goes right to the bathing suits, and then the actual presentation of the crown to Kara. And But before this scene... Tyler and Tempest find out that Kara actually stole the treasure chest first. But then we have the presentation of the crown to Kara, and a sher- the sheriff looks like this is the... I don't know if this is the new sheriff that replaced Sheriff Adams from Season 5, from Seasons 2 through 5, but this is the sheriff. But it doesn't look like he'll be making more appearances in the show, however. And she and he arrests her, saying that, that her friends turned her in, and they want to arrest her. And then Kara is in jail, and she's about to open her cell doors when Clark stops her. And and Kara tell 
tells tells Clark that the that the tr- that the time capsule has a Kryptonian treasure, and Clark asks why didn't he tell her, and, he's, and she asks where do you want me to start? I mean, you're not being fair to me. You're not being nice to me. I mean, you're you're treating me like a child. And then Clark goes to goes to volunteer to take the treasure and stop the Weather Girls. And the Weather Girls uncover the the treasure to find the Kryptonian shield, to which Clark says, you, that doesn't belong to you. And and then the Weather Girls pull a Tempest, I think this is Tempest that pulled this move, and causes a tornado, and causing all these meteor rocks, of course, to come about. And then Kara comes to the rescue, and is able to subdue the Weather Girls, and take and take the... the the crest, and is able to save Clark by burning the the meteor rocks with the heat vision. Now we've seen various uh, various things that have happened when when meteor rocks are burned, but we'll forget them for right now. One of them being it was not turned into black kryptonite, and Clark did not split into Cal nor Kara split into dark Kara, like in the Supergirl series. But I'm not complaining. I just think it's very interesting. <laughs> but then we cut to to the next to the next scene where Carter and and Lex in another scene together are talking about the angel that saved him and that he that that Lex wants Carter to back off of it and says he wants him to focus on finding the ship to which Carter agrees and then we have a scene with Clark and Kara where Clark and, and Kara are analyzing the symbol and Clark says that this that this didn't come from Kara's ship, that it's over a hundred years old. And Kara says that it's an SOS. It was left here a hundred years ago, and possibly the Kryptonian that left it is still on Earth. So apparently there's another Kryptonian other than Clark and Kara on Smallville. In Smallville, in the town, somewhere. We don't know where it is, and hopefully we'll find out the identity of this Kryptonian soon. Anyway. And then Kara says that she's going now to be working at the Talon, and that's going to be her cover. But considers it a demotion uh, from from Miss Sweetcorn to coffee latte supplier or something. I don't remember the exact line. But Clark says that she'll adjust. And um and Jimmy and Chloe have a have a nice moment which Chloe where Jimmy is vol- is ready to take down all the meteor freaks one by one and make sure that they are are all in Belle Reve where they belong. To which Chloe is a little, a little anxious. But then Kara walks, not anxious, but kind of not as happy about that as he is. But then Kara walks in and says she needed to get her bag because she had misplaced it. And to which Jimmy sh- shoots him a very interesting look. But then Jimmy and Chloe resume their date. And then Kara walks out of the talent, and there was a ve- there is a very interesting scene between 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 Kara and Lex, to which, to which Lex says that he knew it was him that, her that saved him, that he's going to keep it a secret, and that he's already, that he's already protected him, already protected her, which we know that that's why he told Carter to back off, because he knew that's where Kara was, and that he's going to protect, he's going to continue to protect her, just as he would a certain somebody, had, had that certain somebody told him the truth, so does Lex know the truth about Clark Kent and hasn't said anything to Clark but waited for Clark to tell him? Mm, very interesting. 
but then ask but then ask Kara a very interesting question. Are you a savior? Or are you a warning? Very good episode, very good episode. Like I said, the the kind of backdrop things that didn't involve the Weather Girl seemed more important to me than the actual Weather Girl plotline. But I think for all in all, it was a good episode. It was very enjoyable. Definitely still kept up with the momentum that was left by the first two episodes. So thank you, Derek, for allowing me to review that. And it's back to you. Thanks, Tim. Fierce was a very interesting episode indeed and had its roots from a lot of season one episodes, which kind of make it fun to watch and think back to the every week Meteor Freak storyline that helped it along. It also introduced some great aspects that we'll tie in later this season, um, like Tim was talking about with the introduction of the new Kryptonian medallion found buried, as well as further confrontation with our new Agent Carter, whose storyline will tie in with Kara very soon. While a lot of people dread the meteor-enhanced storylines, as Chloe might call them now, I kind of like the nostalgic feel of them, um, given we only get a handful of each every season this late in the series, and I thought it was a fun episode, given us the return of Jimmy Olsen, a more in-depth look at Kara, and a revisit to the Klana Shipper, which seems to be more different this season than any thus far. Now moving on to this past Thursday's episode, Cure, longtime contender for a Smallville storyline, and once Superman, Dean Kane guest starred as Dr. Curtis Knox, who cures meteor freaks, only to turn around and harvest their organs for his lover so that she'll live forever as well. When the episode begins, Jimmy is back to swooning Chloe and tries to take her out for a night on the town of Metropolis. Chloe spots a Season 1 meteor freak, Sasha Woodman, in the town and follows her outside, calling Belle Reeve in the fear that Sasha has escaped. She approaches Chloe, saying that she doesn't remember her. Chloe rehashes the events of Episode 118, Drone, and Sasha says that she had an operation taking away her abilities, but unfortunately she doesn't remember anything of the events of the last six years due to it. She leaves and is attacked in an alleyway by a familiar face to her and to us, Dr. Curtis Knox, who chloroforms her, and drags her away. Somebody save me, indeed. When we come back, Lana and Kara are in the Kent family kitchen discussing the details of the Klana bumpy road. Lana tells Kara that Clark was so secretive because he was always protecting people. Clark super speeds off to get some syrup when John Jones appears, abruptly choking Kara and telling her to leave Kel alone. She tells him that he could bully her on Krypton, but not on Earth and begins to attack until Clark intervenes. Kara says that Martian Manhunter forced her family from their home, to which Jackie Child says considering what her father Zorel did, she was lucky. Kara tells Clark that making friends isn't one of his strong suits. She leaves, and Lana tries to introduce herself to a third Kryptonian till Clark corrects her on the location of his homeworld. She leaves for an afternoon with Aunt Nell in Metropolis. Martian Manhunter tells Clark that Zorel tried to assassinate Jorel and wants to know where Kara's crystal is, that if she finds it, all hope will be lost. Kara, using her superhearing, over overhears the entire conversation. In Lex's office, he meets with Dr. Knox, who can clearly hold his own against the genius that is Lex. Lex is interested in the methods in which Knox works on to fix the meteor infected, probing that three of his patients from 33.1 have gone missing. Knox says that he has nothing to do with it and has to return to work, where we actually see him working over the bed of a woman lying unconscious. The decor of this room should be early hints of Knox's ability, which we kind of find out about later. Knox tells the lifeless woman that he's found another piece of the puzzle and puts on his apron to go to work on Sasha. It was tied to a table. He begins cutting on her in a less gruesome scene than what we saw in the director's cut, but um, still really cool. Knox tells Sasha that she's there to serve a greater purpose. At the Daily Planet, Chloe has been researching this Dr. Knox and blows Jimmy off on his date. Clark arrives to recruit Chloe's help in finding Kara's crystal, but Chloe begins to become stretched in too many different directions, telling Clark to do this on his own. 
while Chloe arrives at Dr. Knox's office asking to be cured of her abilities. We then see Lana in the barn loft instant messaging someone about the transfer of money, undoubtedly the amount uh, she took from Lex, until Clark comes in and she closes all the windows. He asks if she would know any reason why Chloe is acting weird and starts talking about Dr. Knox. Lana has also been doing research on Knox as well due to the meteor-infected work that she's been working on, digging deep into problems Lex has caused and wanting to do things to help these people. Lana tells Clark that Knox uses brain surgery to fix the infected. At the planet, Jimmy sells his date tickets when Kara enters, asking for Lois. Kara's looking for the video Lois shot of her ship, and she recruits Jimmy's help to find something on the tape that will help lead to the discovery of her crystal. She tells Jimmy to call her cell, she has a cell phone apparently now, when he finds anything. Now, this is probably the best scene of the episode in the town between Chloe and Clark. Uh, Allison and Tom did this really awesome. Um, Clark has the talent to talk Chloe out of what she's planning to do, basically the surgery, and Chloe says that she wants to have the procedure done, prompting that Knox is her only hope. She wants a normal life and believes that this is the only way to have it. Clark wants to know the side effects of the procedure, saying that memory loss seems to be the major part. Clark's worried about her forgetting him, and Chloe tells Clark that if he wants to save her, then she'll let him go. We see Knox disposing of Sasha's body in a fertilizer plant when Lex shows up, saying he's figured out what Knox has been up to. Lex pulls a gun on Knox, then unloads the chamber on him to stop him. But as he leaves, Knox rises to his feet, pulling the bullets out of his chest, and telling Lex all the ways he's been killed previously, which is our first real nod to who this character might actually be. He knocks Lex out and begins to drag him off when Clark arrives and throws Knox into a power generator. Carrie and Jimmy find some images on Lois's tape of a company called Flintlock Technology that works with the government. Chloe walks in to see them together. She gets upset and leaves, dropping the letter that she had written for him before the procedure. At the hospital, Lex awakens to Clark in his room, who tells him that he was on the search for Knox and regrets having to take a, no take a life to save Lex's. Lex tells Clark about the $10 million that Lana stole and that, there's, and that there's no way Knox is dead because he shot him so many times. Tells Clark that Knox is murdering his patients when Chloe arrives at Knox's office. She realizes that he's up to no good in this empty place and he attacks her, tying, chloroforming her much like he did Sasha at the beginning. Clark heads to the planet where Jimmy reads Clark the note Chloe threw away saying that she might not remember him after night. Clark heads to the address that Lex had for Knox's office, where Lex shows him images of Knox from over the past 500 years, saying that he must be immortal. They figure out where Knox is housing Chloe, and Chloe says that she can use her ability to save the woman that Knox loves, but Knox says that she's an induced coma to help with the operation. Knox tells Chloe that he was actually Jack the Ripper once, so there's your other nod, folks. We'll get to that in a minute. He begins to cut her open when Clark rushes in, only to be slowed by the kryptonite, keeping the organs harvested. Knox grabs an axe and rushes Clark, saying, Your powers might be far beyond those of mortal men, but you've met your match. Knox swings the axe, but ruins the machinery, keeping the woman on the table alive. Chloe removes the kryptonite so Clark can get to his feet, but the woman wakes up only to die in Knox's arms. Clark and Knox share a really, really long, lingering stare with each other, which uh, will probably come into play later this season. But then it's back to the farm where Marsha Manhunter arrives, telling Clark that he and Jor-El don't ask, don't tell policy when it came to crime and punishment, not revealing what he had done with Knox. He asks about Kara's crystal when she actually enters, saying that John is the one who can't be trusted. John says that Zor-El was a traitor, and Kara asks Clark who he's going to believe, family or Martian Manhunter. Kara takes the skies before Clark can answer. In the farm, Clark tells Lana that Lux helped him track down Knox, but also says that he told him about Lana stealing the money. She says it was part of the divorce settlement and is using it to help the media freaks who was affected by Lex. 
In the vacant building, we see Lana has built her own bat cave basically to keep an eye on Lex, with hundreds of cameras in the office spying on him. So we can actually finally get to see what happens in this office now, I take it. And then we get back to the Daily Planet, and a really uh, difficult scene for uh, Allison and Aaron, I would assume. Um, but it was really well done. But um, Chloe tells Jimmy that uh, there's no way their relationship will ever be normal again. And Jimmy says that, you know, I can't take this anymore. Uh, that um, he's he's done with it, basically. He's done with her. So, all in all, a really amazing episode. I wasn't holding a whole lot for it because <clears throat> spoilers and stuff we had read about it didn't sound that great, even with Dean Cain being in the episode. But I think they set up a lot of things for later on down the line in the season. We have heard that uh, Dean Cain will be reappearing later on, so it'll be really interesting to see what, the, what they do with that character. Now, whether or not they were actually meaning to turn him into Vandal Savage or not, we did get clues to that point, um, basically with the ways he had told Lex he had been killed before, which are ways Vandal Savage has also been killed, but also Vandal Savage reveals that he was once Jack the Ripper, and and Dr. Curtis Knox says the same thing. So that was a really cool thing to hear, too. I had to do a double take when I heard that. There may be some things leading to the fact that they're just giving a nod to the character and this Dr. Curtis Knox may be something else. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that in the spoilers recap at the end of this episode if you want to find out what that's all about. But I, I don't know if they're actually meaning for him to be Knox or not or they're actually tying Curtis Knox into another character. But we'll get to that later on down the line. But that was Cure. Really great episode. Really keeps up with the momentum of the season so far. Um, you know, really solidifying that season seven has been awesome. Awesome guest star Dean Cain did an amazing job. It was fun to read interviews uh, leading up to this about him being on the set, and when they were talking about super speeding, he didn't have to do anything. He was the one that had to stand still for once. Or when they were talking about Clark doing this or Clark doing that, he wasn't the one who had to do it. But he he played a really cool villain, really evil, really dark, and I'm anxious to see what the return of his character will mean later on down the line. Now, due to my lack of a co-host this week, I will be uh, foregoing the small talk, but that will return next week um, with some great stuff to rehash about, uh, possibly our adventures of trying to leave Baltimore Airport and Houston being apprehended by security, uh, which was fun, 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 fun times. So, uh, we'll be back with spoilers at the end of the episode, but I just want to say right now, thank you all for listening. Again, I'm very sorry for the delay in this episode. Thank you, Tim, for stepping in and doing Fierce to My Cure. And uh, check us out, houseofelpodcast.com, our home on the web. You can find out all the latest Smallville and shoe news going on right now. You can also check out forums.houseofelpodcast.com, where the forums have been busy, busy, busy uh, ever since Bizarro aired. We have a great fun on there, just cracking jokes and having fun talking about aspects of the show, both Shoe and Smallville, so check that out. As always, you can email us, mail at com. Please do that. We love reading everything that you send in. We try to reply to everything you send in. If you, you, know, if you want something read on the air or you know, we didn't get to reply to something because it got lost in the amount that we get, just keep sending it. We promise we'll get to it. Just takes a matter of time with, with a show like this because um, there's so many great questions to ask about Smallville. So, all that being said, we will be back next week with your uh, recap of episode 705, Action. Um, we might have a special guest in that episode. I'm just saying. Keep on the lookout for that. And when we, we'll talk about Action here in a minute when we listen to the trailer. So stay tuned for spoilers if you wish. If not, I will take my leave of you right now. Here your host. You can listen to Star Wars House of Mel. Thanks.
Next Thursday, Action! Smallville goes Hollywood. Cut! Is this supposed to happen? Somebody help me! And Clark gets caught in the spotlight. Nice catch, superhero. All new Smallville. Next Thursday at 8, 7 central on The CW. Alright, welcome to Spoilers. What you just heard is the audio from the trailer for episode 705 Action to air next week. Going to be a really cool episode. I've actually got the official description right here, and I'm going to read it to you. The residents of Smallville are thrilled when Warrior Angel, a movie based on a comic book, begins shooting in town. However, the lead actress, Rachel Davenport, takes off in a stunt car with cut brakes. Clark must step in to stop the runaway car. Unfortunately, an obsessed fan witnesses the heroic event and decides Clark is a real-life superhero, whose girlfriend, Lana, must be eliminated so Clark can fulfill his destiny. Meanwhile, Lex discovers Lionel at the cabin. Lionel's life. Great news. Great news for John Glover. Uh, yeah. We haven't heard anything about Lionel other than that a few obscure comments, but if they'd really gone up the search, you would think by now that maybe they'd had a funeral for him. So, apparently not, though, but he's going to be back next week, which I'm very happy about, because we all want to see who that was in Bizarro that carried him off, you know? And what has happened to him over the past five episodes. Trailer was pretty cool. It does show the big stunt scene of the um, the girl, um, Rachel Davenport, driving her car, and the brakes going out. Clark goes through the car, saves her. Car explodes. <clears throat> we see the guy who abruptly witnesses Clark using his abilities to save her. It looks a lot like the meteor freak from Pariah. I'm, I'm sure it's not the same guy. Smallville has been known to use actors before, but I think that's a little bit too serious a role to bring back for another guy. So, <clears throat> but it looks a lot like him. You know, Sandman, that guy. So, um, surely it's not. But anyway, um, then we actually see Clark holding the red cape. Not the red cape, a red cape. Warrior Angel's red cape which Rachel Davenport gives him as a gift for saving her life. Really cool. Going to be a cool episode. Can't wait to see it. Um, not much else in the way of spoilers. I'm going to kind of start reducing official descriptions to week before episodes so we don't get so far in advance. There is an official description for Laura and Wrath Up. If you want to read those, go to houseofhellpodcast.com. But as far as spoilers go, I'm going to reduce those to the week before episodes. So, the big thing going on right now is there was an announcement made that there is a possibility of two Kryptonians entering the show that will do battle with Clark and Kara at the Fortress of Solitude later this season. That's cool. Um, is it a possibility that one of these Kryptonians has been on Earth for a long period of time? A long period of time, and who may have actually left that medallion that they found buried in Fierce. Now, who could this person be, you ask? Well... There's a possibility that this person no longer has their abilities, from what we hear. They are um, pretty much human, except for the fact that they could be immortal. Now, this brings to light the character from this week's episode, Curtis Knox. Is he, in fact, a Kryptonian who no longer who does not have the abilities that Clark has? It does seem that when Clark entered the room and and knock, knocks away, he did kind of know what Clark was all about. You know, he said, you may have powers beyond those immortal men, but you're, you've met your match. Now, this could be, you know, he may have just thought Clark was a meteor freak, whatever. But it just seemed a little bit too solid in his delivery of that line. He, you know, he, like he knew what Clark was. He knew what Clark was all about. And we do know that Dean Cain will be reappearing later this season because we don't really know what happened to him. Martian Manhunter took him away. Did he take him to the Phantom Zone? Did he imprison Knox in the Phantom Zone? We've heard that the Phantom Zone is going to um, come back up later on the season, so that would be really interesting to see. 
especially with possibly how he would get out. So it's going to be interesting to find out who these two people are. Now, who is this other person? By Kryptonian, are they referring to Brainiac, who we know James Marchers is returning? Probably not, um, because Marchers isn't coming back to... Well, first of all, he's not Kryptonian. I mean, he was made by Kryptonians, but he's not Kryptonian. But Marchers isn't coming back till January. We've heard that this big fight scene may go down in November. So who could this other one be? Could it be Bizarro? With episode titles like Blue, referring to Blue Kryptonite, which hinders Bizarro, and Gemini, which I would take to mean Gemini Twin, uh, and Bizarro and Clark, would that be who they're talking about? I don't know. Really interesting stuff going on, though. Could this Nox be actually have ties, and they're trying to make it seem like Vandal Savage by saying stuff like Jack the Ripper, but he actually ends up being a Kryptonian left on Earth, who has no ability other than the fact that he might be cursed with immortality. Really interesting stuff to look for in the coming weeks on Smallville. I want to thank you all for joining me for episode 64. Again, apologies for the delay in last week's episode and this one. I hope combining the two have made up for it. Thank you again, Tim, and thank all of you for listening each week. Check us out at housevelpodcast.com. Houston and I will be next week with episode 705, Action, so check that out. In the meantime, go to our website, go to our forums, email us at mail at and we'll see you guys later. Bye.